Hello and welcome to the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. This podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge to live a healthy and happy life. My ethos is sustainability and my aim is to leave you better than I found you. I am a complete foodie, lover of all animals, recovering perfectionist, with a passion to help many achieve a life of health and well-being. I hope you take a lot from this podcast and thank you so much for tuning in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. You're joined by me, your host Rebecca, and of course, as always, my wonderful sidekick Edith. Now today, she is being a little bit grumpy bless her heart, but hopefully she isn't going to make her presence known. So today I want to talk about something that all of us have been exposed to, but actually how it can really prevent people from achieving goals. And that goal can be fat loss, it can be muscle gain, it can be weight gain, it can be simply just working on healthful behaviours, healthy boundaries and creating an environment that supports longevity of your life, right? And that is calories, reps and steps. At some point, I'm sure all of you listening to this will have had hyperfixation on just counting calories, on just doing your reps in the gym and hitting a certain step goal. Now, going into the simplicity of energy balance, which is written in the research, it's the science, okay? It's governed by the law of thermodynamics. So what I mean by that is, if you want to improve your health with your goal, you have to meet an energy balance with your energy intake and your energy expenditure. That's the science aspect. If you want to reduce your body weight, your body fat levels, you have to be in a negative energy balance where you're decreasing your energy intake and increasing your heat regulation, your expenditure. Vice versa, if you want to gain weight and if you're looking to maintain your weight, it's meeting it at a neutral energy balance, i.e. the law of thermodynamics, heat and fuel regulation. So diet culture have then ran away with that message and all of these other dietary methods have run away with this message in that it's calories in versus calories out. However, the mechanism behind that is not always transferable over to human behaviour. And really, is it as simple as calories, reps and steps? No, it's really not. And actually, the oversimplification of this message can direct people into an all-or-nothing approach. So I'm going to talk mainly about fat loss in this because if you're here listening to this, I'm sure at some point you have tried to diet or change your body, maybe for the right reasons, maybe for the wrong reasons, and found yourself without the sustainability of those results. And you know that my ethos is sustainability. I care wholeheartedly about you not only achieving your results, but sustaining them long-term, where you get off this cycle of constantly dieting as if it's a lifestyle. Like dieting is simply an aspect of your life, yet many people have followed it for 30, 40, 50 years, 
but it's been fed from the simplification of this message, right? So I'm going to help you unpick that. I'm going to help you understand where to drive your focus and how to bring about more compassion, bring about more awareness, more mindfulness, so that not only when you achieve your results, but you can sustain them because it's been done for the right reasons and your intention has been directed in the right place. So diet culture messaging. It basically is restriction, obsession with food and exercise. It normalizes the deprivation of calories as a form of self-validation and can be a significant source of stress and anxiety, promoting people to feel a catalyst of negative emotions, including fear, shame and guilt around their food choices and their body. So that's the message that we're all exposed to. It's still around now, unfortunately. But with that, we've got all of these diets, all of these diets that promote weight loss, that promote the restriction of intake, and then hit 10,000 steps a day. That is the messaging you're getting exposed to, isn't it? So it's like, Uh, You count your calories, you count your sins, you count your points, or you remove certain foods, or you skip certain meals, and you need to go and do 10,000 steps a day. So the energy balance equation, when we're looking at fat loss, many of these diets are literally saying to you, go and reduce your energy intake and go and do more in terms of your energy expenditure. It perpetuates the ideal that the only two elements of your health are food and exercise. And it causes hyper-focus on energy intake and numbers. A lot of my clients, when they start with me, associate food as being a number. A lot of them can cite Slimming World numbers um, and cite uh, Weight Watchers points for certain food, or they know X amount of calories are in X food. And then what happens is they use that food as a weapon and that weapon is driven in like my fitness palace, an example, and you seek validation from a tracking app to give yourself permission to eat it. Like having knowledge and awareness is so powerful, but the intention from this diet culture messaging around self-validation coming from being in a smaller body, and of course, all of these diets promoting food as being um, a calorie, a sin, a point, has then led to so much disconnection, a lack of appreciation for food as well, and a lack of awareness of what is making you feel good, both physically and mentally. Instead, your choices are driven through a number. And now, a lot of people are lacking the awareness of food choices in the how should I be eating? What foods are going to help me feel good? What foods are going to support my gut microbiome? What foods are going to support my digestion? What foods are going to keep me fuller for longer? Instead, oh, well, I'm going to have a Freddo today because a Freddo has got the same calories in as an apple. And yeah, I'm just going to eat all of my sins in ultra processed food and then eat free food all day, as an example then all day you're preoccupied by food, you're food focused and you need to go and do 10,000 steps as well. Can you see the negative cycle that many people fall into? And I'm sure at some point you have done as well and throw in perfection, right? Because this simplification of the message then brings about the idea that you must go and do it perfectly to achieve your results. And of course, just taking it back to that diet culture messaging, 
the self-validation that is coming from this restriction and this obsession, you've got this perfectionist mindset. So you, you now hold this huge belief that you need to go and perfectly eat, you need to go and perfectly move, but actually that sends you into a spiral of guilt, shame, and actions that drive you further away from achieving your goal. And now what you're trying to do is get your life to fit your diet. And it simply isn't possible. Your diet should work with your life. It shouldn't take over your life and it shouldn't be so much preoccupation around calories, around numbers, around sins. You're going out socially and you're that preoccupied by food and you're looking at the menu and you're trying to count the calories in your head as a way of validating what you're going to be choosing instead of acknowledging what your body is asking you for in that moment, instead of taking a pause and understanding how you're feeling, where you're feeling that in your body, what emotions are you feeling, and then intentionally driving action forward instead you're looking at the menu thinking oh my god there's so many calories in all of these what am I going to eat oh my fitness pal says I've only got 600 calories left that means I can't eat what I really want to eat here so you lack the psychological satisfaction you lack the enjoyment and then you're so preoccupied you're so aggravated by the food you're not fully engaging with those around you and then usually what happens is the spiral of dichotomous thinking comes that all or nothing you come home and because you're lacking that psychological satisfaction because you lacked that connection both socializing and back to yourself with the recognition of choices that you actually wanted in that moment you find yourself overeating But then you find yourself with this perfection mindset. You're guilty. You feel shame. And then you wake up the next morning, you try and quote unquote undo it because you're fearing any amount of any amount of change outside of this this numbers game that you have been cycling through for many, many years. And then that cycle continues, right? Because you wake up the next morning, you restrict, you try and undo it and you body bash yourself with these shameful comments, this hurtful behavior. But then next time you go out, you feel exactly the same because actually that hyper-focus has become more vigilant and more prevalent on, on the calories, on the numbers, but actually it's driving you to more disembodiment, you're now further away from yourself and further away from any um, attainable goal. And now, unfortunately, many cycle through years of just focusing on food and movement. So you restrict your calories further, increase your steps more, remove more food groups as a way of validation, believing that you'll be enough when you hit your goal feeling further dismay, further disconnection, dissatisfaction, and having really significant impacts on your relationship with your body and yourself. It becomes that damaging cycle that I mentioned of body bashing comments, internal psychological battles with yourself, isolation from events, from social connection, impacting your relationships and so many other aspects of life. And when many of my clients come to me and we talk about the psychological battle that many, many face, you can't see that. Only you can feel that and only you can measure that. And that preoccupation and those unsolicited thoughts that many people wake up with and the guilt and the shame and then the actions that they they then take going forward, that 
is the most damaging aspect to your health. And the biggest changes that many of my clients make that everybody will be making when you're looking at health as a multifaceted puzzle, when you're looking at long-term health, the biggest changes, the best changes are non-quantifiable. You can't measure them. Yet you hold your success based on two pound loss on the scale weight. So that's the only way you're measuring success at the minute. Irrespective of how you're getting there with what I've just mentioned all of the above, with this unsisted thoughts, the preoccupation, the body bashing comments, the really negative intention behind your action, the social disconnection, the isolation. But if you lose two pound on scale weight, there's been success, right? Well, what are you doing to get there? Can you honestly see yourself hyper-focused, hyper-vigilant like this for the rest of your life? No. So then what happens when you've lost the weight? You find yourself back in a cycle. You're overeating and then you're regaining the weight. And the biggest changes, the best changes is that reduction in psychological stress. It's being able to go out without preoccupation. It's being able to go out socially and have a burger and not feel guilty after it. It's compromising and never sacrificing. However, the calories, reps and steps is a sacrifice. It's perfection. It's taking away from your life because you're trying to get it to fit your life. It's not fitting your life and it's bringing about this dichotomy because health is so much more than that. And nutrition, food is so much more than a number. But now it's a weapon for you. It's a way of you trying to control your body, a way of trying to control your emotions. And you have this belief that when you'll be smaller, you'll be enough, but you're never attaining that long term. And even when you do achieve it, because a lot of people can achieve it doing this way, but you don't get that feeling that you expected. So then you chase more. So this is where that cycle continues. You restrict more, you exercise more. Oh, well, clearly I just didn't do enough to get here. So I must go and do more. And it perpetuates this greater cycle of body dissatisfaction, food preoccupation, food focus. And you feed self-objectification. We should look a certain way, be a certain way, do a certain thing to be validated. But is that right for you? Is that right for anyone? No. You're chasing a societal pressure that literally doesn't exist. You've got this perfection mindset, which is a perception of your thoughts, a perception of your thoughts from years and years of this exposure, years and years of this compounding message. And now, again, when a lot of my clients start with me, tracking apps are a trigger. Tracking apps are a trigger for binge eating and overeating. In that the minute we talk about tracking, it's that's going to make me binge eat. That's going to make me overeat. And it's not actually the tracking at all, but it's the association of the tracking added from perfection. And it's that mindset that causes the overeating, that causes the binge eating. Now, fortunately, I don't work 
in the diet culture messaging, as I'm sure you can now realise. Um, and of course, I don't give out. You must go and track calories and you must go and hit 10,000 steps. Because I am a certified evidence-based nutritionist and I work on many different avenues of tracking. A lot of my clients don't track their calories in my fitness pal. But that said, that said, actually, tracking calories isn't a bad thing. It can actually be a really useful tool for so many. The broad message I'm just delivering here is that it isn't about tracking your calories, reps or steps. And if you take that approach, you will find yourself in the rabbit hole of all or nothing and perfection tendencies. But I coach on a very subjective, very individual level. So some of my clients use pictures, some just track breakfast, some just track evening meal, um, some just write it down for me. We have many different avenues. So it is, however, more than just this message of calories, reps and steps. And your health is so much more than nutrition and exercise. And if you find yourself with these thoughts that it is just about nutrition and exercise, you can now perhaps see why you rub them off against one another. You use them as weapons against one another, right? A lot of the time I hear people say, well, I'm going to eat a little bit more today because I've exercised i.e. seeking permission from movement to give yourself permission to eat a little bit more or need to reduce my energy intake today because I haven't been to the gym. Therefore, you don't feel worthy of eating because you're, you've got this wild assumption that exercise brings about a huge amount of calorie burn, which let me tell you, it doesn't. If you're going to the gym, doing a gym session, you're not burning the calories that it says on your Apple Watch or your Fitbit. You burn around 5% of your total daily energy expenditure, which for most people is about 200 calories. It's nothing. And actually, you burn more through what's known as the thermic effect of feeding. So digesting your food, namely protein and fiber. But that's for another podcast. <laughs> um, health is, however, multifaceted, right? There are seven facets to be exact. So if you're assuming that your health is just about what you eat and how much you move, you're missing so many other aspects of your health. So we've got physical health. So of course, physical health is important. Environmental health, spiritual well-being, social, environmental, financial, and intellectual. So it's not just about your nutrition and exercise. And if you're invested in your health and you're looking for lasting change, breaking away from the diet culture message and finally achieving your goal, it is about way more than three things. So to incorporate those seven facets and to incorporate lasting change where you know you add quality to your life and quantity to your life and you break away from this psychological battle with yourself and you feel more embodied, more connected, it's about this, mindset, awareness, and intentions. And with that, behaviours associated with your nutrition and your body image. And I have a lot of clients who come through and we just work on behaviour change to start with. And Heather, as an example, since we've been working on her behaviours, has lost 14 kilos as a byproduct of her behaviours. Siobhan has lost eight, eight kilos as a byproduct of her behaviours. 
Neither have we been chasing fat loss. We've been working on behavior change interventions with a positive mindset, with more awareness and more compassionate intentions. How you show up for yourself, how you act, behave, think towards your nutrition, your body and your exercise is going to have the biggest, biggest impact on the likelihood of you sustaining your results. So if you're focused, right, on the food and the exercise, this is what the cycle tends to look like, isn't it? You over-restrict your food, you've got a poor mindset, you've got over-restricted actions, you're doing things for validation with poor intentions and a lack of awareness. So you've got no lasting change. You're spending more time off track, less consistency, less results, more frustration and aggravation. So, however, you can change that. Woohoo! I know, right? Finally, you can actually break away from this. So your mindset is the biggest weapon that you have. Your behaviours are dictated by how you feel each and every day. You can imprison yourself with thoughts around perfection, calories, etc. Or you can empower yourself with the realisation of your actions and how they can directly bring about you the results that you've been seeking for many, many years. You have to be accountable to yourself and be honest with the recognition of your current behaviours, of your current mindset. And it's about unpicking that right now and understanding where that has come from. And as now, I'm sure you've alluded to, it's likely coming from a lot of dietary restriction and a lot of diet culture messaging. And I'm sure now you can draw a correlation to your current actions and your current mindset and how that's held you back for so long. So we've got to unpick that. We've got to understand that that is just fiction now. It's not fact to you as a person. And then you can start by making changes going forward. And the biggest change that people make is not not tracking calories. It's with your behaviours. And when you can acknowledge the behaviours that you need each and every day to support you achieving your goal, it brings in the imperfection. It brings in the individual level. Instead of objectifying what you're doing by following every single diet and following the same message throughout, falling to the sunk cost, it's actually now taking a step back, looking at your lifestyle, looking at your commitments, looking at your goals and actually saying to yourself, what can I do, not just for this six-week diet, for the next six years that supports me living a healthy, happy life? It helps you navigate your relationship with food. It helps you actually do something for yourself and continue to take action. So behaviours are not just tracking calories and looking at 10K on your, your watch. So things I work with, with clients on a daily basis to bring about new rituals, new habits and that behaviour change through coming from diet culture to more of an individual uh, healthy approach for themselves. So the first one, finding joy in things outside of food. Things like connecting with nature, 10 minutes of self-care. Now that's a biggie, excuse me, a biggie for many people. When they first start working with me, a lot of clients, I say, oh, okay, so what things do you like doing? What things bring you joy, bring you satisfaction? And a lot of people don't know anymore. A lot of people don't know because they identify as being a mum, identify as being a wife. They do things for everybody else and their biggest their biggest trait they believe is people-pleasing. And actually, that brings so much dissatisfaction to our lives. 
and we become really aggravated because we haven't made time for ourselves. So finding things that you enjoy doing that you perhaps haven't done for many, many years. It could be as simple as reading. I have clients who crochet, do Lego, even a simple skincare routine that has been has let slip for many, many years because you've had the children to look after. So just incorporating that every day to bring that connection back to yourself with recognition that you are enough that you are deserving. Another thing, working on a bedtime routine. So that helps with a restful sleep, especially with perimenopause and menopause. It can be really challenging with the energy dips. And with those energy dips, it has significant impact on hunger regulation, mood, etc. And a lot of people go to bed now with a lot on their mind. So then they've got all of these thoughts running through their mind. So we work on a bedtime routine that supports more of an empty mind and supports the perimenopause and the menopause with the reduction in some energy levels. It really does support relationship with food and behaviours with food as well because you've got more awareness. We set realistic expectations. So basically, fed from imperfection, we ask ourselves each and every day, what can we be doing? What can I do here? Because perfection gives you an excuse, doesn't it? If you can't do it perfectly, then you don't do it at all. And a lot of the time I hear people say, well, what's the point in doing a 10 minute walk? Well, because that's 10 minutes more than you would have done had you gone perfectly and did nothing. Anything is better than nothing. And when you can start to set realistic expectations that fit within your life, you build on more consistency you build a more adherence. And actually, one of the best things about that, it builds internal confidence because you give yourself more frequent evidence of the success that you are building each and every day. Therefore, you've got more internal, well, greater internal self-worth, greater internal self-esteem, more understanding of what you can do. So if you said to yourself, right, for this next 30 days, I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk in the morning, 10 minute walk in the afternoon, 10 minute walk in the evening. And that's a realistic expectation that fits around your commitments. And you went and did that for 30 days. That's more than you are doing at the minute if you're trying to get 10,000 steps in every day and you can't attain that because your commitments are so high with your children, with your work, with your lifestyle. If you went and did that for 30 days, For 30 days, that's more consistency than you have done with this on-off cycle. Likewise with eating fruit and vegetables and eating protein and eating calories. Instead of saying to yourself, well, I need to go and hit 1,700 calories every single day, instead look at at your day and say, well, I'm going to aim to get protein with every meal and eat three vegetables with each meal. And even if you're on holiday, you can do that. Because there is no set amount that you need to go and eating in terms of protein. Of course, if you're on holiday, that protein will be a little bit lower, but you can still get it. You can still have yogurt on your pancakes for breakfast with some blueberries, bananas and strawberries. Everything is achievable if you've got realistic expectations and you are honest and accountable with yourself. Another one, mindful eating patterns, a big one, a big one. So a lot of you sit now scrolling your phone, eating, watching the telly, um, 
you're really distracted. It has such implications on your hunger regulation and it increases cravings. So making time to eat. And as I mentioned earlier, like a lot of people say, oh, my my biggest trait is people pleasing as if it's something really good. Actually, people pleasing could be quite bad because you don't do something for yourself. Instead, you do some do things for everybody else but then you become really aggravated at these people that you're doing things for and actually because you haven't looked after yourself you haven't taken the time for yourself then you're disconnected from your body and then your mood dips so just taking 10 minutes of breakfast 10 minutes for lunch 10 minutes for the evening now I know I sit here from a place of privilege I haven't got small children and it doesn't have to mean that you're sat down without distraction, you're not doing anything. I have clients who have got very small children and we navigate that on a very individual level. This is just broadly speaking. Plan your week, a big one, especially again with menopause and perimenopause. If you've got intentions set for the week and if you know exactly like what you want to be achieving, and you've got an environment then that supports that. Say you're having yogurt and porridge for breakfast this week. If you haven't got that in your environment because you haven't planned your week, you're going to find it really challenging. We are driven to convenience. Like we much prefer the convenience side of health. Nobody is going to the shop daily. So if you're planning your week and just, even if you plan your breakfast and your lunch, which is something that I get many of my clients to do because they are the two most mediocre meals of the day and they help then slot into these work commitments. Planning your week and then creating that environment that supports that. So if you're working from home, instead of looking at the leftover galaxy bar that's on the side, you open the fridge and you've got your yogurt there, you've got your berries and you've got your chai seeds in the cupboard, you're more driven to be taking that, right? Setting your intentions and reflection as well. So it gives you feedback to learn, to grow, to adapt. Without the feedback, you can't set the intentions for the next time situations arise. So you now hold this huge, huge perception that failing is bad. Failing is not bad at all. We all fail at life. And without the failure, you haven't got the feedback to then grow and adapt should that situation arise again. So as an example, um, maybe, let's think about, right, okay, so maybe you went out socially, right, and when that time, at that time, sorry, that you went out socially, you followed the path of least resistance, and you did what you'd always done before, in that you restricted your intake all day, not something I ever, ever recommend, and for more information on social events, listen to, um, I think it's episode five, whichever one it is, of the going out socially, So you followed the path of least resistance. You thought, oh, I'm going for a burger and fries tonight, so I'm going to restrict my calories all day. Now, you've got this wild amount of hunger, huge amount of hunger, and you're going out. And not only have you had the burger and fries, you had the burger and fries, and then you had a side of onion rings, and then you had a milkshake, and then you had a dessert. Now you feel really full, and you're full of guilt, and you're full of shame, and you think, oh, why did I do that? So if you then reflect on that, and you get a little bit below the surface, you can then understand, right, okay, so why did I do that, right, well, I thought that that meal was going to be more dense in terms of calories, and from years and years and years of diet restriction, I thought it was best to just not eat all day, was that fact or fiction, that was fiction, did that support me, no, 
What can I do next time? I can give myself unconditional permission to eat breakfast. I can potentially keep my breakfast a little bit lighter, have some yogurt with some berries. I'm going to have a lunch, but again, I'll keep that a little bit lighter. Maybe I can opt for a, a chicken salad. And I'll give myself a little bit of protein before I go out to help manage my hunger because in essence, that will then help me sit with more recognition of physical hunger instead of this huge psychological demand that I had from missing meals. And that way I can acknowledge fullness more comfortably and reduce the guilt and shame cycle and in essence reduce overeating because a lot of people struggle to give themselves permission to eat before they're going out because they think they'll eat more but actually you eat more from not eating enough. So that's where your reflection comes right. So that's where you learn. So the next time you go out for a burger and fries and you know what to do. So really, really important. And it helps support this mindset change. It helps support more awareness. It helps support that connection back to your body of the recognition of what you can do. So they're just some of the basic behaviours that we work on. And now I'm sure you can see how they bring about that positivity in terms of the understanding of what you can do with more confidence, with more internal recognition. Therefore, that positive mindset. And by that, you become more empowered by the actions you take. And if like fat loss is your goal and the scales haven't changed that week, because they don't, that's life. Scale weight changes are not directly representative of fat loss nor of health. You are more healthy by the actions you have taken with behaviours that support your overall health. By those behaviours I mentioned. And because you're more aware, because your mindset is a is in a more compassionate, positive place, then you don't then blow off the week because the scales haven't changed by two pounds. Actually, because of your reflection, you're looking back and you'd be like, no, this has been a really successful week for me because I've done X, Y, Z. That is lasting change. You spend more time being consistent. Not only that, your mood is better. You've done things for yourself. You help others but you help them with the boundaries that support you with things like eating regularly it brings them more awareness to your actions and without awareness you can't be intentional with actions that support you long term and the intention side of it like on the surface the the actions that you're going to take are pretty much the same irrespective of your goal They are quote unquote simple. Now I say quote unquote because the behavior change that I've just mentioned above is actually really challenging for many people with this years of compounding messaging. But yeah, irrespective of your goal, the behaviors that we should all be taking are pretty much the same. Getting enough protein, getting enough fiber, movement, training your body, sleep, hydration and connection. But the intent behind the action has the biggest impact on the lasting change and your health aspects. Like, and I'm saying health is in like mental and physical health. And you're, you can feel very imprisoned with this over-restrictive approach fueled from diet culture and focusing just on calories, reps and steps. It's the external validation, isn't it? The poor body image and doing it just for your body as an example. So if you're exercising and eating for the sole purpose of your body, that's directly linked to eating disorders. However, you can feel empowered with intentions that are compassionate, right? That are more mindful, with awareness of what you can do. Again, that confidence building, the delayed gratification and how irrespective of the fat loss, the behaviours you take are supportive of your 
overall health. And this is why calories, reps and steps is simply a rabbit hole of all or nothing. Your mindset, your awareness and your intentions are the most powerful, powerful aspect when you're considering long-term health. And it feeds all of those mass, uh, sorry, feeds those facets of health. Like I have clients who literally get job promotions, new relationships, more friends as they're working on a healthful journey because they shine brighter. They show up with more intent. They've got this awareness and they acknowledge challenges. A lot of people now believe that successful people are just lucky. And actually, they don't see the behaviours that they take each and every day that brings about that lasting change. Instead, they compare someone's chapter 30 to their chapter one. And they don't see they don't see the, the stories, the chapters previously that got them to where they are and how they still practice imperfection. They still show up each and every day with compassionate intention behind their action. And sometimes, you know, Compassion is fierce. Sometimes it's softer. Having the psychological flexibility and the adaption to situations with the understanding of what you can do is one of the most empowering aspects of any healthful journey. And that's exactly what I do with all my clients. When they can navigate social events, when they can go out spontaneously and know that what they're doing is in line with their goal, where they can achieve fat loss whilst being social, whilst they can achieve any goal with the correct intention. So that's going to be it from me today. I'm I'm sorry, folks. I did go off on quite a few tangents there, but I hope you took a lot away from this. If you're sat there thinking, yeah, I really do focus on calories, reps and steps, try focusing on those behaviours for 30 days. And if you've got any questions at all, or if you think, do you know what? I would really like to work on improving my health, improving my behaviours, my boundaries, improving my movement in a way that empowers me, improving my nutrition in a way that adds value to my life, improving my habits that fit in my life, that don't take away from my life. It's exactly what I do. My details are below for coaching, but thank you so much for tuning in.